Greetings, friends, conversationalist Sam Marjofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian behind the What's Right Show microphone. This hour of uh, today's Friday program coming to you uh, thanks to Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Uh, I'm, uh, well, first off, I can't believe that it's the 15th of December. Astonishing. The whole year has passed us by. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm just getting older here, and these uh, these years just fly by faster than ever. But I no. But it's it's really just astonishing to me that we're two weeks away from 2024, and I feel like it was just a few months ago that I was still writing, <laughs> still writing 22, 2022 on my checks. Okay, so I I'm just I'm. I know, it takes me a while to adjust. Just as I figure out what year it is, uh, we move on to the next. At any rate, I have to share something with you today uh, because there's this, there's this uh, uh, piece uh, in The Economist that came out uh, today, actually yesterday, dropped yesterday. I didn't find it until very early this morning as I was perusing uh, the internet. And, and now I've, I've found that there are uh, even some articles written about the article. That's how you know that you've stirred some stuff up. You've you've got well, there's, there's Politico wrote a piece about this. But anyway, the the original article uh, uh, piece published in the Economist is well, the title of it is "When the New York Times Lost Its Way." Now, this of course got my attention when I saw these this title. Uh, the subheading is, uh, quote, America's media should do more to equip readers to think for themselves. Uh, fine. So I thought, okay, who wrote this? And it turns out the author of the piece, James Bennett, is a former opinion editor uh, over at the Times. And he was actually fired. This is This is sort of where the piece opens, and I have to lay the groundwork before I give you my larger opinion about this, uh, is he, he got fired because he dared write, no, not write, uh, publish, authorize the publication during the summer of George. So we're talking, you know, back in 2020, COVID is raging. And, and then of course, George Floyd's death is, uh, the, uh, the kneeling incident uh, where a police officer, Derek Chauvin, a video of him on George Floyd's neck. And it, and it of course, uh, led to the BLM movement and violent riots, a burning of many American cities, immense vandalism, other criminal activity, destruction of private property, businesses, ironically, many of them black-owned, uh, burned to the ground. So all, this all was going on, and the New York Times was largely sympathetic to the to the cause of BLM, and published as as I recall a, a lot of you know apologetic pieces for it. And it was, you know, in the opinion section, right? You you know you you, you want to have uh, opinions that perhaps 
uh, don't necessarily agree with your own, present different viewpoints. That's the idea of having an opinion section where you're inviting outside people to write something that is um, that is perhaps even controversial, perhaps wrong in your thinking, but you publish it not as an endorsement of the opinion, but because it is newsworthy if it's written by someone who has some sort of of expertise or importance. Uh, you know, yeah, that's it. Well, the piece was Tom Cotton, you know, Senator Tom Cotton, conservative Republican, who who wrote a piece. I remember when this came out. It was a law and order piece. He said basically the the antidote to all of this is we we need to we need to come in and and clean this up because we are a nation of laws and we cannot allow uh for cities to be to be thus destroyed. Right, that was the gist of it. And for running this piece, the well, Tom Cotton opinion piece, uh, the author of this article in the um, in the Economist, James Bennett, lost his job. So the the yeah he he got a call basically from the head of the New York Times, uh, owner of of the New York Times, and said yeah Salzberger, and said you're fired. And he, well, he asked for his resignation, and um, and this is after, according to the author of this piece, he had run the idea of this opinion piece being published by uh, being being of of Tom Cotton being published, and 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 Salzberger apparently, according to the author here, uh, greenlighted it, approved it. So his and this is. Folks, uh, I printed this up, and I think I killed a small tree doing so. I mean, it is 67 pages long. It's a very long and I think slightly repetitive piece. Uh, there's a – yeah, here, here, just very early on, he kind of sums it up pretty well. And I want to share this with you because, of course, I have been – over the many years of following political discourse in this country, I've, uh, you know, I have my fair share of criticisms of the mainstream media. And the New York Times <clears throat> paper of record, if you will, I think mostly a paper of record for the American left. Um, he, you know, I, I think they deserve a fair amount of this criticism, and it's now coming from one of their own, formally one of their own. So uh, here's what Mr. Bennett writes, and I stop me if, by the way, if this doesn't start to sound a little bit familiar. It, it, he goes through and talks about how uh, essentially institutions like the New York Times are, are filled with liberals, and therefore there's a liberal bias. And then he says this. He writes this, a quote, the Times, referring to the New York Times, the Times problem has metastasized, right? It's grown, it's, 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 it's mushroomed, right? From liberal bias to illiberal bias. Fascinating. Well, what does that mean? Well, there's obviously a bunch of libs talking about liberal opinions uh, then somehow went from just that to being so monolithic in thought that they couldn't even consider, right, any opposing viewpoint, even to criticize it, and they became actually very illiberal. They became very absolutist about even preventing other voices from speaking. And that's what this is. So he says basically they became illiberal. The liberals became illiberal. 
Quote continues, from an inclination to favor one side of the national debate to an impulse to shut the debate down altogether. Now, uh, this is, this is, of course, this is good. Um, now, a lot of the piece, and I'm, I'm going to be honest about this, a lot of the piece, I'll get to this in a moment, betrays, I think, um, the writer's own uh, uh, just, just uh, not bi- not even just biases, but but lack of grasp of really what's truly going on in this country. So uh, he's getting a lot of credit. Politico's calling this groundbreaking. I I I still am reading from a a liberal who is entrenched in his opinions. And now that I've said it, by the way, let me just give you an example on the subject of this idea of illiberalism. Mr. Bennett writes, quote, one of the glories of embracing illiberalism is that like Trump, you are always right about everything. So you are justified in shouting disagreement down. In the face of this, leaders of many workplaces and boardrooms across America find that it is so much easier to compromise than to confront, to give a little ground today in the belief you can ultimately bring people around. This is how. Wait for it. This is how reasonable Republicans, a.k.a. Mitt Romney, hint, hint, lost control of their party to Trump and how liberal-minded college presidents lost control of their campuses. (laughs) This is why the leadership of the New York Times is losing control of its principles. This is complete hogwash. This is total bullcrap. It is journalistic excrement. I don't know how else to further malign this. Let's take it backwards, forwards here. Well, starting, by the way, for example, the New York Times. The New York Times lost its principles a long time ago when they decided to print opinion in the news section. Full stop. End of story. To characterize, and presumably this piece, given that it was published yesterday, would have the benefits of some editing following the disastrous appearances of the three stooges, uh, college presidents, Ivy League presidents who appeared in Congress last week, and the ensuing aftermath from all of that, would have the benefit of editing this idiotic paragraph. But of course, I don't think Mr. Bennett sees it beyond his own myopic view of the world. And this is why I say liberal-minded college presidents, they didn't lose control of their campuses. We know this. They didn't lose control. They they seized control. The, The disaster that is unfolding at Harvard, for example, is by design. This was crafted. This was created. This was intended. Lost control what the hell is he talking about? And then, by the way, uh, I love always to be told. I don't know about you. I always love to be told by libs who the reasonable Republican is. That's my absolute favorite. Please tell me. So who's the – oh, I see. I see. It's um, it's Adam Kissinger. Oh, it's, it's Liz Cheney. Oh, it's Mitt Romney. Right. They, they, want, they want the collaborators. You see, that's – the rhinos, it's better to call them collaborators. They, that's who they want to elevate. 
I'm going to continue taking this down for you a bit because people are talking about this piece, and it will be, I guarantee you, you turn on Hannity you know, tonight and watching Fox News, they're going to mention this piece in passing, give you a quote, and try to tell you how this person has seen the light. Maybe they've captured a little element of this you know, reform that obviously needs to happen at the highest levels of media in this country. But largely, largely, this is more of the same echo chamber from within these rotted institutions, whether they're the New York Times, whether whether it's Harvard, etc. They will never reform themselves. This is it's not going to happen. And the change will come from the outside. And that, I think, is my greater point. Got to run here, folks, but be back in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law will continue after this. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT, the What's Right show brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law, is on. All right, well, I, I, I love when the media talks about themselves. Yeah, this, is the, this is the New York Times, former New York Times uh, editor of the opinion uh, opinion editor at the Times who was fired, let go for daring to publish an opinion piece by Tom Cotton, conservative senator, in the New York Times during the summer of George. Right? How dare a white Republican opine about the need for law and order when there is so much injustice out there requiring that cities, businesses, and lives be extinguished at the altar of leftist radicalism. How dare they publish that opinion? So here he's saying, and he took 67 pages to say it, and The Economist, I'll spare you having to read it by giving you some of the, uh, the finer points of it. But one of the things, right, I mentioned how he says, it's, you know, they went from being, having a liberal bias to becoming completely illiberal, right? Not allowing any opinion in whatsoever. But then I also am explaining, uh, and I had just before the break, explaining how the, a lot of what, a lot of his uh, supporting opinions for all of this is still steeped in a deep liberal bias that shows how small his grasp is of what's actually going on in the country. And this is what happens with people who misunderstand Trumpism. Because they don't know who we are. Now, he acknowledges this. He acknowledges this to some extent. And I have it here. This is one of the kind of opening salvos in the piece. Yeah, there we go. Here we go. So he says... In assessing the issues going on at the Times, New York Times, a vanguard leftist rag newspaper, once great, once revered, and now devolving into a hot mess of far-left puppetry, the Times, quote, problem has metastasized. This is the, uh, what's his name, Bennett is the writer, 
uh, Economist piece published uh, yesterday. Uh, the Times problem has metastasized from... No, 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 this is not it. Uh, yeah, no, no, the liberal bias. That's the first thing he said. Hold on, hold on. It came later. In assessing all of this, he says, quote, the reality is that the Times is becoming the publication through which America's progressive elite talks to itself about an America that does not really exist. Now, what is that? What is he? T- what does he mean by this? Yeah, it's... Listen, if you – are you ever perplexed, by the way, when you talk to a friend who's you know, intelligent, quote-unquote well-read, and who has literally no idea about what you're talking about, right? You could be – you could – let's say – let's say you could be talking about a subject like in, in 2020, late 2020, early 2021, maybe you had some – criticisms of COVID, and you'd, you'd bring this up to a friend who couldn't even acknowledge what it was that you were talking about. And the reason for this is, right, the reason for this is, is because these are, there are people that simply live in a walled garden of monolithic thought. And it's, the monolithic thought isn't even a reflection of reality. This idea that progressive elites write to other progressive elites in newspapers like the New York Times about they want to explain Trump. They want to explain what January 6th was. They want to explain um, simple things like Bidenomics. They want to explain, but they, well, they'll come up with an alternate reality that is affirming, that affirms their view. It's. Bananas, I'll tell you, on the conservative side, I know people say, well, you know, there's people who watch Fox News and don't watch CNN at all, and they read Breitbart, and they don't open CNN.com. I just think we conservatives are far more likely to encounter opposing viewpoints than the other way around. And to some extent, right, it almost it mirrors what totalitarian regimes do in their complete and total control of of media, that there is a reality on the ground that everybody, I guess, somehow sees or or is right in front of them, but is is in the in in print and in TV and in media everywhere a a, a completely different, um, alternate, fake right Fugazi reality exists. The communists did this and still, where in power, do this quite well. So here's the, here, here's the, here's the thing, though. Does this mean a change is coming? And i got to take another break here, bottom of the hour, but does this mean anything actually changes? Right? Is this an awakening of sorts? And I think, uh, well, I'll tell you what I think when we come back. Again, listening here to the What's Right Show, folks, powering through this Friday, the 15th of December. Uh, got a lot to cover. I know it's, I know it's been a wild week, but uh, we'll, we'll get to it all. I promise. I've rolled up my sleeves. I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to go. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law.
Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Hi, welcome back. Sam Rajofsky here. I am Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, host of the What's Right Show, local attorney here in Las Vegas with an office also in the Communist Republic of California. Forgive me for that, folks. Licensed in both places and representing the good people of both states. Uh, I'm fortunate enough, of course, to to live in Las Vegas, which um, I enjoy. I saw this thing here. I know some of you live out in Lake Las Vegas. I don't mean to offend you, but well, I, I saw there somebody posted, a friend of mine posted on Twitter a menu out there in the the Lake Las Vegas Village, which is the the remnants of a uh, once mighty shopping plaza that now has uh, sort of uh, turned into a bit of a ghost town. Anyway, well, I saw that there was a thirty dollar Long Island iced tea 30 bucks for a relatively straightforward cocktail i mean okay i mean you might at the win yeah but lake las vegas what kind of crazy talk is this wow all right well i'm saying i just saw that came across it and um and thought that was perplexing to me now i'm equally perplexed i'll tell you honestly by the spot of self-reflection that we're talking about here, this piece in The Economist, uh, the gentleman writing this was a former opinion editor who had been let go from the Times by the publisher, Salzberger, for publishing a, 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 an editorial piece written by Tom Cotton in the throes of BLM uh, riots across the country. Cotton dared basically make the case for law and order. I No doubt you'll remember this uh, episode uh, because I think it was one of the, uh, really the only places you could read in the mainstream media a full-throated, reasonable defense for normalcy. That was the summer everybody lost their minds. We, we started with COVID. Then it moved on to BLM. And all of this was fanned, of course, deliberately, which is not acknowledged anywhere in this piece, fanned deliberately as a means to dispose of Donald Trump, his presidency, and everything that we all wanted to see was happening, the good stuff that Trump brought to this country. I mean, no, that's, listen, this, this, is, this is a fact. None of that would have been, none of these, none of the events, covid in particular, and certainly not the death of George Floyd, would have ever uh, just uh, grown into as big of events had Biden, for example, Hillary Clinton been president. It just none of that would have happened. So this this piece, right? Um, one thing I you know I, I mentioned uh, earlier in the program is. You know, he, he 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 seems to think that, um, you know that that this 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 just well, I, I, well here's the, here's the quote that I want I want to return to because it's it's fascinating to me. It's the one about it's the one about Trump. You know, how did a guy like Trump? How did a guy 
like Trump, he he's the illiberal guy, right? And 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 basically, the New York Times has become illiberal too by not allowing other opinions. Then he goes on to say that it's much easier to compromise than to confront. You give a little ground today in the belief you can ultimately bring people around. This is how reasonable Republican leaders lost control of their party to a guy like Trump and how liberal-minded college presidents lost control of their campuses. This is, this is insanity. This is totally um, – he's totally wrong about this. By the way, tell me this. Tell me what boardroom in America compromises for conservatives. Tell me the company that compromises and balances their activism, their ideology in favor of, of, of right-wing thinking. You know, this is – where is this person living? I mean, I understand he's a, a, a New York liberal, okay? But where is he – this is – you think that boardrooms across America are compromising, going along to get along um, with, with conservative thought? Or do you think that they have all been completely taken over by the radicals, by the radical left? I don't think, you know, from Target to Disney and everyone in between, I mean, I think it's manifestly obvious what the answer is and to think that somehow compromise in boardroom is is like republican leaders losing control of their party to trump republican leaders didn't lose control of of their party to trump by compromising with trumpists republicans lost their party <laughs> the establishment republicans lost their party by compromising with democrats that's the fact of this and liberal-minded college presidents lost control of their campuses by compromise. No, they didn't lose control. They seized control of institutions that were built by common-sense people, many of whom were conservatives, badass Americans. And once these institutions with great reputations were built up and had tremendous equity in them, all of that was pilfered by losers who cannot chew gum and fart at the same time, who are intellectual midgets, who could never build up a Harvard from scratch because they lack, frankly, the gray brain cells to uh, make something like that happen, and also the work ethic. Just like communists... These parasites tackle an organism that is thriving and destroy it from within. None of that happened accidentally or through compromise. It all happened on purpose. And honestly, truthfully, at the end of the day, uh, you know, journalists are far less important now than they ever have been because we all have seen through their bull crap. We know they lie. We know that they have an alternate universe that they live in. We know it's an echo chamber, and we found our own ways of getting information. One of the key things that's happened is Twitter's come along, well, originally you know, supposedly a free speech platform, 
uh, saved by Elon Musk, which is why you'll hear every single newspaper, every single journalist, quote unquote, targeting, tackling, going after Elon Musk because they understand that his, I would call, portal into free, true free expression, true liberal small L, right, liberal expression of ideas is an existential threat to these once great institutions like the New York Times. The New York Times today is trading 1,000% on a brand that was built, solidified 100 years ago. Harvard, the same. Go down the list. And the parasitic socialists that took these institutions over are now crying to me about how well we've become we've become illiberal. We just you know maybe we we just it's easier to compromise. What a joke! Now he, uh, the writer of this piece, the former editor who was canned for publishing Cotton's uh, Senator Cotton's piece, um. You know, uh, says it's, it's kind of funny that uh, Salzberger, the uh, the the uh, uh, guy who fired him, the head of the newspaper, the publisher of the Times, um, has defended the firing. Has defended this, saying that they allowed the Times to publish a column written by the head of the Taliban back in uh, what was this in the t- t- early two thousands, and um, and I. I, I, by the way, are you at all surprised that the New York Times would rather publish uh, something written by the Taliban, ISIS, Hamas, overhearing from a sitting U.S. senator who, you know, may potentially have presidential prospects? Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by that either. And, and, and putting that out as a defense, frankly, I think is, is, uh, next level idiotic. So, Um, So this is what he writes. He said that op-ed talking about the one written by the Taliban dude was a tough editorial call. It troubles my conscience as publishing Tom Cotton never has. Well, yeah, duh, right? But the reason is not that the writer, Haqqani, right? He's the guy who wrote the piece, was not because he had kidnapped a Times reporter who I knew, um, he, he goes, he says, it wasn't that. The case against that piece isn't that Haqqani, who remains on the FBI's most wanted terror list, may have killed Americans. It's puzzling in what moral universe can it be a point of pride to publish a piece by an enemy who may have American blood on his hands as a matter of shame to publish a piece by an American senator arguing for American troops to protect Americans, right, deploying the National Guard during the summer of George. Yes to that. So back to the question, is anything going to change? No, nothing will. And the reason nothing will is that we are going into an election right now, and I'll explain what this means for the election because they still do not understand Trump. They don't understand him. They don't understand Trumpism. They don't understand us. Let me explain what I mean by that when we come back. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve 
what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Yes, yes, I know. This is, um, I think if all the media people truly understood Trump, perhaps, just perhaps, Trump wouldn't be as successful uh, politically as he is. Let me explain what I mean by that. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Uh, the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law, 702-820-1234. Listen, um, this piece by uh, Bennett, a man named Bennett, he's a former editor at the New York uh, Times, and he um, he was fired for publishing a piece, uh, opinion piece by Tom Cotton during the summer of George, where Tom Cotton, senator, conservative senator, uh, dared opine that we ought to call in the National Guard to quell protests, read riots, violent looting, burning of American cities, destruct, destructing private property, public property as well. How dare he call for that? Him, a white man... Speaking up during this crisis that was a cry for help by disadvantaged people of color, or so went the criticism of it, as I recall from the time. So this guy's writing this 87-page piece uh, uh, talking about his termination from the Times and why the Times has a real problem. Now, a lot of people... Even conservatives are characterizing this piece as a as a huge wake up call. Oh my goodness! Look, one of one of their own is criticizing the media landscape, saying that you know, for example, a liberal bias, what used to be just a liberal bias, has now metastasized into a um, a, a predisposition to be completely illiberal, right? To to not hear and accept any other opposing viewpoint. So. Let me let me get to because I always look as a as a kind of a, a a bellwether in these articles. I always want to understand if these writers get the Trump thing because foundationally, if a leftist is able to say, "Okay, I understand what Trump is about," then I'll then I'll you don't have to like him; you just have to understand what it's about. You know, I – well, this is, this is the thing. Let me give you an example, right? Here it is. Quote, whether or not – this is from the piece. Whether or not American democracy endures – and I just love when the left talks about American democracy. Okay. American democracy endures. A central question historians are sure to ask about this era is – wait for it – why America came to elect Donald Trump, promoting him from a symptom of the country's institutional, political, and social degradation to its agent-in-chief. Let's put a pin in that for a moment. It continues. There are many reasons for Trump's ascent, but changes in the American news media played a critical role. Trump's manipulation in every one of his political lies became, a more, po- became more powerful because journalists had forfeited what they'd always had as their most valuable work, they're being arbiters of truth. This is what he's saying. Trump 
won because he, not because he was lying. Trump, we all know, look, Trump, okay, I, I, I'm saying this as a fan. Trump does lie. But the reason I love him is because he tells the truth about some very important things. For example, let me give you an example, right? When he got up there and he said something about s-hole countries, right? And the media erupted. I mean, this is just the most scandalous thing ever. And it was it's a scurrilous lie. These countries are great. And everybody's sitting around. Everybody's forced to nod. Yes, yes, Trump bad. Trump's lying. Trump's not. And 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 it, we're all standing here going, uh, he's not. He's not wrong. Trump's political power comes from the fact that he is fearless in saying things that other people are too afraid to say because they've been cowed into silence precisely because of goobers like this guy writing this piece. He, in one breath, is criticizing the New York Times for being liberal, and in the next breath, he's repeating the same trite uh, kind of I don't, conclusions about Trump that that are that are I think manifestly erroneous. So that's the thing. Okay, uh, and and by the way, if you, I'm just going to say this: When is the last time any of you, even those of you maybe a little bit older, have thought that journalists were what is what did he say here? The uh, arbiters of truth and brokers of ideas. I think that ship sailed what in the in the nineteenth century. <laughs> Certainly, uh, I mean, I, I don't know any. I don't know a single person that I trust uh, that I that I respect. Let me put it this way: that I respect that thinks that about journalists. Generally speaking, you know what journalist? I've got to mind the clock here. I mean, you know what journalist? Look. Every journalist that actually is truthful, actually is, uh, as he writes, a broker of ideas, has been attacked by the left. And I understand that's a little bit of a premise of the piece here, so I don't want to, I'm not criticizing for it, but even this author here, as he is criticizing the illiberalness, the intolerance of opposing viewpoints within an institution like the New York Times, even he cannot bring himself to understand and explain correctly the Trump frame, which is Trump got leverage in the Republican race in 2015, or you know, late 2015 and early 2016 in the lead up to the general election, winning the general election. Because he fearlessly refuted the dogmas that the liberal media put out there. It's not because of his lies, but they view it as lies because they disagree with it. And therefore, what that person is saying is, is, uh, is a falsehood. Ostrich meet sand, Right? That's what these people are. If it, you know, they ought to really change the Democratic Party's uh, mascot, right? From the uh, from the old donkey, right? Or as I prefer to say, the ass um, to the to the ostrich with its head buried in the sand. That's that's really what they ought to do. 
They just don't get him. And, and I think Trump's political power comes from the fact that he is this brash New Yorker and he's funny. Okay. And, and he's, and he just can, he uses humor and he's can communicate to the masses and he just says what everybody already knows is true. And he says it in his, in his, in his style. And, and we all, and, and, and he wins people over because he is through his own personal bravery is saying what we're all thinking. But many of us, don't say because we're worried about the repercussions. That's that's the scoop here, right? And and you take uh, fearless arbiter. Uh, every reporter who's been fearless, you know, Schellenberger, for example, fearless guy, right? Every reporter that comes along is fearless, fights a dogma, gets squashed. Okay, that's the fact of how this rolls. All right, Chris Cuomo, by the way, had a, had an awakening about Israel. Did you see this? Chris Cuomo, old Q-tip. I got to share this with you. Sam Arjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. The What's Right Show will continue after this. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to samandashlaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Greetings, friends. Welcome back. You're listening to the What's Right Show. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. The uh, deserved roasting, I have to mention this here briefly, Jill Biden's White House Christmas video. This is mega cringeworthy. Have you seen this? Uh. Lakin, have you seen I'm I I'm just I am I I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised in the least bit by any of this. It's well this is by the way, the troupe, the dance troupe that's in this, Dorrance dancers, they're all pretty woke. I mean they got their their BLM people, they've got a whole politicized agenda. And they look they look freaky. I mean, I'm just going to tell you this. Normally, what happens is, folks, uh, you, you want to the first family wants to make the White House sort of look like a, a you know quintessential all American Christmas vibe, right? And I don't know if you remember this, but I think there was one year that Melania Trump put up nothing but white trees. Is this is this? Am I remembering this correctly? Well, they were. It, it was. It was elegant. Okay, it was elegant. It wasn't as warm as some Christmases, but certainly nowhere near to this freaky spectacle. And everybody, every major MSM person, just went on and on about what an awful, what an awful thing this was. So those people are all auspiciously silent. Um, <laughs> and this. This, uh, by the way, it just looks cold. That's what it looks like. It looks cold. And I think, and at the same time, it also manages to look decadent, which if you're, listen, I think a lot of families are going to be suffering this Christmas. I think that's, that's the fact of it, right? I mean, everything costs more. Wages relative to the, uh, the cost, of, uh, cost of goods, wages are down. 
I mean, right, the stock market this week, everybody's talking about the stock market. Well, how many how many Americans are really invested in the stock market? Um, I understand, you know, f- f- what people have had to borrow against, by the way, their their IRAs, for example, just to keep on top of their monthly expenses. People are fairly leveraged. But again, I mean, aside from that, if you're a, a wage earner in this country, your purchase power is diminished. So having an ostentatious Christmas video as the president of the country going into an election year is a problem. But I think, you know, I, I, I think a, a nice, humble, you know, video around a tree would have been a good look. And this is frightening. This is a stuff of nightmares. Some people are calling it a Hunger Games aesthetic. Um, others are claiming they will need therapy to recover from watching the video. I, I don't know. Listen, listen I, I'm just – I think it's all by design. I think it's part of the radical mind. It's how radicals think. They want to attack anything that is traditional. So their whole approach to any, um, you know, to any kind of any any kind of uh, capturing anything that is you know any kind of tradition is to find ways to upend it. It's a never-ending assault on 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 the past, and I think one of the most magical things about Christmas, e- even if you are not a religious person, is that it it's nostalgic, right? We all have a Christmas memory. We all have something from the past that we attach to. And if we don't have that ourselves, we have an idealized version in our heads of what Christmas ought to be. And um, and so along comes the left and says, I know what we're going to do to your idealized view of, of what you know Christmas, we, we ought to aspire to what this holiday is. We're going to turn it into a freak fest. And they all sit around and go, this is a great idea. At some point, they showed this to Dr. Jill Biden, and she thought, this is a great idea. And why does that matter? Well, she's the one running the country. No, literally, she's running the country because she's controlling the, the puppet strings of her husband, and her husband is not all there. That much I can tell you. They did, oh yeah, they did publish a photo, I think, what was that, about a week ago? week and a half ago, them decorating the tree together, and Joe Biden was on a ladder. He was on one of those step ladders. Uh, boy, I, that, the, 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 it turns out the step ladder, folks, was a gift from Kamala Harris. She had sent that over. Early Christmas gift. Here you go, Mr. President. Use this to put the topper on the tree. Good luck. So anyway, Chris Cuomo, <laughs> this is Chris Cuomo put out a tweet with a uh, a video from his uh, opening monologue from a show yesterday, and this is um this this tweet is is fabulous. He he basically had been invited along with uh, two other people from his show to go and view at the Israeli embassy the forty. What is it? Forty-seven minute video compilation, the October seventh attack. Now, every person who has seen this footage has, I think, been unanimous in in being absolutely horrified by it. People have. There is no, no, no. You can't. You got to leave your phone outside. It's very, it's very locked down, right? They don't want this getting out. There's nothing is blurred in it. There's families that. Um, that these are people that that um, were family members and friends. It's just just a horrific thing. But 
but there, there is video of people leaving the screening sessions just sick, bent over. Um, it's, it's got to be the kind of stuff you don't forget. And, and Chris Cuomo, for as much as I can never forgive him for the freak show that his program was during COVID, glorifying and supporting his idiotic brother, who was, of course, then governor of New York and responsible for the deaths of countless seniors who'd been, you know, this is the whole, this, the entire COVID patients into the nursing home business. It's just unfor- unforgivable. But nonetheless, setting all that aside, Cuomo's reemerged, has a new uh, program. And he um, he's actually, this is an example of him doing and saying the right thing. So he opens the, the monologue. He says, he says, look, I, I've just got to tell you, it's been a heavy day. Which no doubt I, I trust him on is, is the fact. And then he says, you know, I, I went and I saw this, the screening of this film at the Israeli consulate in New York. And, uh, and he goes, it's just, um, it's just, you cannot even imagine. You've seen some of it on the internet. A lot of it you haven't. And he goes into, he's fairly descriptive about what he's seen, okay? And I, uh, and I, and, and anyway, he, he gets into it and he says, he says, he says, look, the, it's obvious to him. And I've, I've said, and I've said this many times, it, and, and he confirms this. He says, it's obvious to him that this was intended to get a reaction from Israel. Because of just how how raw and directed and unforgivable the violence that was perpetrated was. So here's his comment on this, and I think it's I think it's right. If an enemy wanted to make sure that Israel would come for them, the message would be we're going to take children, women, innocence and more, tie them up and burn them alive, just like the Holocaust, the ultimate fear of what the world can bring the Jews way. When a decision is made that Jews are less than human and treated that way in words and deeds, I now know that is exactly the message Hamas sent on purpose, at scale. And I was not aware of that before. I had seen that bodies had been burned, but I did not understand or appreciate how intentional the effort was. They did it methodically. And you know what? This is important to hear from somebody who is, you know, a a, a liberal guy. It's important to hear from somebody who is an outspoken ally. I'm putting this in quotes, outspoken ally of disadvantaged persons. Because what he goes on to say then, and he's absolutely right, is that anyone that is out there supporting this and thinks that this is some sort of cry for help for marginalized people is delusional. Nothing short of delusional, if not despicable. I have to take a quick break here, because I want to get to this, dig into this a little bit further. 
There are a lot of folks out there, uh, including on the right, quite honestly, who, who claim that Hamas, you know, the Hamasophiles, the Palestinian people are winning the, they're winning the, uh, the information war, right? They're, they're, they're succeeding in having their message gain popularity. I want to, I want to talk about this, right? Because Cuomo made another really good point. I've, I've got that for you here related to, a period in our history, 20-some years ago. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, welcome back. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. So Chris Cuomo uh, yesterday uh, spoke of his experience seeing the uh, Israeli video compiled of the October 7th attack that they're showing at their embassies and consulates around the world to select members of the media and politicians, etc., uh, the video, of course, we know is horrifying, and everybody who's seen it has been rightfully disgusted by it. Um, so, you know, I, I, again, one of his one of his reactions here is that this was, you know, this was this was designed to get a reaction from Israel. It was designed for Israel. I mean, it was so horrific what they did, tying together families lighting them on fire, playing with women, not just raping them, cutting off their sexual organs, cutting off parts of their bodies and tossing them around while they were still alive. Can't imagine this. And they did it, by the way, one thing he says, and a number of people have reiterated this, they do it with with deliberation, with great satisfaction, with, with, with glee. Even it's wild stuff. Absolutely, absolutely despicable. So they did it in order to get a reaction from Israel, right? Israel could not just let this transpire, let this be. If an enemy wanted to make sure that Israel would come for them, the message would be: We're going to take children, women, innocents, and tie and more, and tie them up and burn them alive, just like in the Holocaust. That's what Chris Cuomo said. So, here's my here's my take on this. Right, everybody out there, every useful idiot in this country who is shrilly screeching. But the innocent, innocent Gazans, the innocent Gazans, ah, is missing the point that Hamas deliberately, they didn't just go in and kill Jews in a war of attrition. They, 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 They went in and deliberately perpetrated a most unspeakable violence upon Israeli citizens, and they filmed it. And they allowed this to get into the hands of the public. They allowed this to get out there. 
They wanted everyone in Israel to see it. They wanted to put the Israeli government in a place where they had to respond. And by extension, these, this, this human excrement that masquerades itself as some sort of liberation movement, okay? They wanted Israel to come and kill their people. They wanted everything that is happening right now in Israel, that every lobotomized college, high school idiot is, ah, ah, but Palestinian people, innocent lives, happened because Hamas wanted it to happen. The blood for all of this is on Hamas's hands. There is no, and by the way, Cuomo makes a great point about this. That the method method was their message, right? And that this wrath is something we have in common with them going back to September 11th. Listen to this. Terrorists targeted the Twin Towers and Washington, D.C. to take out the great symbols that represent America. The method was not madness. They were sane. They were just evil. But the method was a message. Their unholy efforts triggered what Americans feared most. Terrorists robbing us of who and what we are about at home. And so they got what they asked for. The wrath of a people united in a common fear and concern that it is us or it is them. Existential. We went after those who took credit where we could used warplanes, drones, missiles, every kind of weapon and warrior we have to kill active enemies, those who hid, the complicit, the sympathetic, and sometimes, even often at points, the innocent. That's the truth. Right. Because what are you supposed to do when a barbarian at the gates comes into your country? And massacres your innocents, your civilians, and you let it go. You know, one thing that the left uh, doesn't acknowledge, right, is you know because we're all so concerned with the power dynamic, and that the country that is more powerful, the boss that is more powerful than the secretary, the 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 wealthy person who is more powerful than the poor person, right? And this is the Marxist, you know, analysis of everything. Is by virtue of that higher power or uh, unequal power position is less moral. What if it so happens that Israel actually is far more moral of a country than Hamas and all these Palestinian? Uh, trash people, okay, one, and also is more powerful. What happens when the good guys actually have more power? And what do you do with that power? Because I think smashing and obliterating every person who touched this, who supported it, smashing them and destroying them and turning them to dust ought to be Israel's enduring mission here. That's what I think. 
you know, that's it's their fight to fight, right? I mean, I'm I'm not I'm I want any part of it, but they're handling it, okay? They're on it. And I'm I for one, I, I firmly believe that that these these people here who are who are yelling about this this uh, arguing that this the queers for Palestine is, these people are dumb. That's it. And it's not even because they would be the first to get thrown off a rooftop if there were any rooftops left in Gaza, but it's because they don't understand or they are willfully ignorant, in fact, of this, of, of just the, the absolute sheer hatred and willingness to perpetuate violence that this so-called culture has. Right, and even it's gotten to the point, even to where Chris Christie, I mean, excuse me, Chris Cuomo, that was a slip. Chris Cuomo sees it for what it is. All right, folks, taking a quick break here, bottom of the hour. I am so happy to be with you here this Friday. Stay tuned. News up next. All the good stuff. I will be back in a few minutes. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to salmonashlaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. All right, welcome back. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. I am so pleased to be with you here today. have to share with you a... A story that is brewing here in Las Vegas has not yet hit the prime time. And it's maybe it's more interesting to me, but I think that this is a a huge problem for every single person living in Nevada, particularly here in Las Vegas. Uh and and especially if they've been been injured in a uh in an accident, had an injury, whether it's small or large. And uh, and want to get quality representation. Now, this this matters to me. It matters to me because, of course, it's my field. It's my practice area, and I think there's this perception, right, that that it just doesn't matter who you go to, like what firm you use, what lawyer you use, and it's they're all kind of the same, and they do the same thing, and the results are the same, which is certainly not true. I mean, not true about restaurants. It's not true about Doctors, it's not true about hotels, it's not true about any service or product, right? Not all not all services, not all products are are the same. And one of the things that I've always talked to you folks about here, and there was a lawsuit file. Let me see here. When did this when did this drop? This dropped um on the seventh. Twelve seven was filed in Clark County. And it is a case involving a, a law firm here. These are allegations, okay? These are allegations, but I can tell you I've had some of this corroborated by multiple people. So there is a law firm here in town. I'm going to name them. It's the Van Law Group. And the lawyer there, her name is Sandy Van. Now, she's getting sued by two lawyers, um, Jocelyn uh, Wee and Wesley Villanueva. And these two lawyers are suing her for... Basically, um, in the course and scope of them being employed at the firm, having to 
according to them, allegedly do all sorts of things that are completely unethical. But one of the things that is alleged in this lawsuit, folks, and it's what I've been telling you about all these months and years now, is that there are lawyers that use tow truck companies, for example, and other folks that will show up at the scene of the accident and immediately go, oh, go with this lawyer, go with this lawyer, this is a lawyer, let me get your number, I'm going to get you in touch. And in the case of, um, of Van Law, it's not actually run by the lawyer. This is one of the allegations here that is, that is very troubling. They're alleging that there is a guy behind the scenes who is not, in fact, a lawyer himself. He's just a business guy. Uh, Nan Van Lee is his name, Mr. Lee. Okay, is how he's uh, named in the lawsuit. And one of the things that I have heard, the allegation that I've had some folks tell me, and I'm, and I'm standing behind this. I've, I've had enough conversations now about this particular outfit to be able to tell you definitively, uh, again, that these are allegations. They're allegations, but that this Lee guy actually bought a towing company. So he owns a law firm. He owns a towing company or so go the allegations, and he uses it to get clients. And the, the services rendered here, I mean, there is a, there is a, I don't know what the, how this has been disposed, but there's a major bar complaint filed on the 13th of January this year against this law firm, um, against this lawyer, uh, 12, let's see, what is it, 12 counts of misconduct. So um, they, it, ranging from solicitation at the scene of an accident to, um, all the way to not maintaining client funds the way they're supposed to be maintained in a trust account, meaning you get a settlement check. Think, think about how important it is for you to have an honest lawyer. I talk about this all the time. You get a settlement check. The settlement check comes to the firm, your lawyer, and they put it into an attorney-client trust account. They take their fees, their portion of it, and, and keep the rest in there to pay you and to pay out any medical expenses. That's how that works. If you have a dishonest lawyer, what happens if some of that stuff is used for private use? What happens if they pull out more money than just their fees? What happens to your settlement if your lawyer steals it from you? Think Tom Girardi, right? He's the famous L.A. lawyer. I knew Tom. Uh, I've known him for many years. Not well. Um, haven't been to his house, but have had well, a couple meetings with him. And uh, we had many, many mutual friends. And he was a, a, a very well-regarded, you know, high-end personal injury lawyer who ended up uh, – uh, he's now – he got disbarred uh, because uh, State Bar determined that he'd stolen literally tens of millions of dollars in his clients' funds. These are people that had been in – horrifying accidents who'd lost loved ones in plane crashes who had who, for whom he had obtained large settlements and those monies all disappeared and ironically right the or not ironically but just upsettingly right to me as a lawyer the state bar in california did nothing about it for decades they had allegation after allegation complaint after complaint they did nothing to investigate any of it because he was very cozy with the bar now i think at least to me it seems that the state bar here in nevada is taking these allegations seriously against van law group and again, this is just, again, these are allegations until they're proven in court. But 
these lawyers, um, these lawyers are laying it all out in their suit, and um, they're talking about how uh, you know they're they imagine a firm where a non-lawyer comes in. And it's telling the lawyers what to do and how to handle their cases and how to run up medical bills. Send you out as an injured person out for unnecessary treatment. It's wild stuff. And it's happening here. I mean, I, I, you know, I know a lot of these. A lot of these lawyers spend more time out of the office. I, by the way, I do my show. I understand. I'm, I'm here two hours a day doing the program. So I'm, those are two hours that I'm not lawyering, Right. But I'm literally doing it out of my office. I'm here. I live at work. And between me and Ashley uh, here at Sam and Ash, we, we supervise everything. And we're on top of it because it's our names on the door. But there are other firms around town that have kind of the same agreement. There's some there's big money person behind them. Uh, and there's, that's, that's why they can afford a lot of advertising, big money behind them. And it's a business guy and, 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 and he is the one directing all the, all the business and the lawyer is the front the lawyer. Isn't even really the guy that ultimately owns the business, even though that is absolutely, uh, unethical and unlawful because you can't have non-attorneys owning law firms. Can't do it. So this is, uh, this is a, this is a, a, a story I think it's going to get. Um, it's going to get some attention. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, and I've had some people come forward to me wanting to talk about it. I, I did speak off the record with somebody who was on the on the tow truck side. And, and when the company was bought, I think it's Snap Towing is the company. That's the allegation, okay? When the, when Van Lee bought the, bought the, uh, the, uh, the company, the towing company, a lot of the old tow truck drivers – who are told now you've got to start bringing in personal injury cases, they rebelled against it. Some people were kicked out, all because they wanted to do the right thing and be ethical. It's astonishing. I, and I, I'm just I'm telling you this because you must, those of you who are listening today, spread the word and talk about this. It happens out there. You know, you see an accident here, particularly a you know a, a big big accident happens on the road. All of a sudden, you'll see folks pulling up, jumping out, clipboard, cell phones, business cards. And as of October, that is illegal, and it is a felony in Nevada. And if it's happened to you, by the way, and if you got signed up by a firm, now you have buyer's remorse because they're worthless, and you're starting to figure out that the lawyer that breaks every ethical rule to sign you up at the start of your case. Uh, it's probably going to break every ethical rule uh, in the course and scope of representing you, and even when it comes to settling your, your case and potentially not paying you your money when it's due, all of that. If you're figuring that out, uh, call a good lawyer, for example, Sam and Ash, and by the way, you're entitled to damages. You, that in Everything that they did in the lead-up to obtaining you and getting you as a client through their uh, – you know, through their contract, everything, you're able to recover damages against that against them, believe it or not. So I, I'm, I'm excited, by the way, to bring a few of these cases forward. And, uh, and I've, got, I've got a couple of them brewing that I think meet all the right fact patterns because these lawyers need to be put out of business. There are some incredible law firms in town besides mine. Absolutely. No doubt about it. But the, the bad ones, 
deserve to be named and shamed. And so um, we'll we'll you know I'll address it here. I know it's 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 nasty stuff, but here's the thing: their stink, their stink, and what these firms do, they taint the entire industry that we have, and it's it it just it maddens me to no end. So there it is, Van Law, another lawsuit, ongoing bar complaints. It's all getting investigated. I'll let you know what comes of it, but uh, hopefully there's some justice in this world. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, welcome back. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Yesterday on the What's Right show, I talked about Hunter Biden a little bit. And one of my comments as to Biden, uh, well, the, the, well, the Biden family cover-up in all of this was that eventually folks that participated in this or are participating actively in it today – will rethink their life choices and step away from the endeavor, right? Because in order to cover for all of this stuff that has happened, it requires a fair amount of, uh, of, uh, of a f- quite a few um, allies inside, for example, the DOJ to help the Bidens uh, keep this thing up. They've already been doing this for years, right? The reason that that, that uh, Hunter Biden wasn't indicted on tax charges or indicted a, a long time ago when the laptop first came out, um, after his, you know, right before his dad became president, um, of, of for example being a, a unregistered foreign agent, is because people in the Justice Department loyal to President Biden saw to it that it wouldn't happen. And I'm saying at some point, the calculus is going to be Biden's weakened. He's likely not going to get reelected, or at least it's going to be very close, too close for comfort, and people are rethinking how far they're going to stick their necks out for it. Well, I give you this as an example of it starting to happen. A federal prosecutor who was one that interfered in the criminal investigation of Hunter Biden to protect both him and President Biden has just left the Justice Department. It's being reported by the New York Post. Former Delaware Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf's quiet departure emerged as she appeared for a deposition with the House Judiciary Committee on Thursday morning. Yet another deposition. Closed doors. Nothing public. Right? Just the way it should have been with Hunter. But no, he had to throw a big stink. So now um, they're figuring out that she's left. Now, she's somebody who was uh, integral to the cover-up of the criminal tax fraud and foreign lobbying investigation charges. Right? And this, by the way, this part of it really interests me. Because I will tell you, just, you know, nuts and bolts, If Joe Biden used his power as president to cover up for his son and interfered in criminal investigations directly or indirectly, right, using his DOJ, right? And and again, who does this lady reports to ultimately, right, to uh, the attorney general? And the attorney general reports 
to who? Joe Biden. None of these people recused themselves. None of these people saw that there was a uh, an obvious uh, or or accepted the fact that there was an obvious uh, conflict of interest. No, these people all continued doing what they were doing, protecting protecting Hunter, letting the statute of limitations for some of these charges to lapse expire, so he couldn't be charged for it. Remember Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler. They're the two IRS agents who worked on the criminal investigation. They were apoplectic. They were going to the U.S. attorney saying, we have this. This is an egregious case. This isn't somebody who, you know, made a whoopsie daisy on his tax returns. This is somebody who is literally not paying income tax for years. And so then, of course, the matter also gets referred over to the FBI. And Wolf, this lady that left the DOJ just going, I can't do this anymore, She allegedly instructed FBI agents in August 2020 to remove references to Joe Biden from a search warrant. Someone needs to redraft the affidavit. There should be nothing about political figure one in here. They've got an email on her saying this. So here's here's the thing, right? This is this is who now she's she's not working on her own doing this. I mean, who's telling her to do that? What kind of collusion is there between her and people at the White House. I, I think this part interests me even more than the original crime, right? The, the, the graft that happened when, when, when uh, Joe Biden was vice president. Because now he's using his presidential powers to cover his rear. And I, I think that that, is, that disqualifies you from being president, quite frankly. If you're going to follow the Democrats' Watergate uh, standard, right? Where we were told the cover-up is worse than the crime, right? And the crime itself, what you know, I mean, it's nothing compared to what was going on, what has been going on here. So, yeah, this is she was the one. Yeah, when there was when they were questioning uh, Rob Walker, uh, Biden family associate, about the president back in December 2020, which would have been. Roughly a year, less than a year into the uh, into the Biden presidency. Um, no, no, no. Right before, right before his. Excuse me. So Biden became president twenty one January twenty one. So this is right after, right after the election, and it's clear that Biden's going to be president. So what you know, she goes. She got into it, and she goes. I don't. I don't want to ask any questions about this. Shut it down. And it upset the FBI apparently in the room. Because there were some agents who just wanted to get to the bottom of it. So, so yeah, David, went, she stayed on in spite of all this. And she was in David Weiss's office until recent weeks. Now, Weiss is the, uh, the so-called independent prosecutor who is, investigating, uh, who is investigating Hunter at this point and who has apparently filed some charges against him, as we know, related to some tax fraud. Um. But again, I mean, it's perplexing to me that they would le- that they would keep this person in this office, and the fact that she's leaving now. I, 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 my prediction is you will see more of these departures, and as these people leave, and if they have information, and they want to protect themselves, seeing that this whole thing is coming undone and going to hell in a handbasket. I really, what I could see happen here, I could see suddenly this 
Um, I, I really could see more people living. I could see more importantly, I see people taking plea deals, immunity deals in order to talk. That's kind of what the, um, that's kind of what the committee did for those IRS agents, right? Remember that? They had to work out, they had to get them a workaround to be able to talk publicly about private tax information. And they figured out a way to do it. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, in a, in a, in a Trump or Republican uh, presidency beginning in uh, January of 25, could you see uh, uh, an aggressive attorney general coming after some of these people? I mean, it has to happen. There has to be a reckoning to all of this terrible behavior. It cannot go unchecked any further. Absolutely cannot. So I'm, um, I'm, 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 I, look, I think that this is just a, an example here, a little dollop of what is yet to come. Drip, drip, drip is what's going to happen. Keep uh, getting worse for Biden, no doubt about that. All right, friends, it's weekend time. At least it is for me. I hope you all have a wonderful uh, day. Always so great to be here with you. Uh, t- next week, we'll do it all over again. So don't worry. We'll, uh, we'll get back, uh, we'll get back to it, uh, and go through it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I saw that, Robbie. I wasn't going to get to it. You know, there's people are saying that Mike Johnson won't be speaker for very long. I know. I saw that piece. We'll get to it if, if it's, if I think it's still relevant next week, but I know this, this just sour grapes. The, you know, people spreading that, I think, are the, uh, Kevin McCarthy loyalists. You know, McCarthy's out and people are pissed about it. Interesting power struggle right now on the Hill, no doubt about that. Okay, friends. All right. Gotta run. Time's up. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. Catch us on the podcast. You know where to find it. What's right show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts, find us there. And I will see you here Monday at 1 p.m. Have a great weekend. Thank you.